dedicated to each and every one of you who appreciate a great glass of wine. You know what I mean? It's Monday. Let's raise a glass to the beginning of another week. It's time to unscrew, uncork, or savor a bottle, and let's begin exploring the wine glass. Today, I sit down with Bastien Luda, the winemaker for Seven Oxen Winery in Paso Robles. They say you never know when an opportunity will come knocking, and today's podcast is a prime example of that. When a friend of the Neal family's daughter was getting married to Bastian, the topic of wine obviously came up. Bastian's passion was infectious and the Neal family caught it. When the Neals purchased property on the west side of Paso, they welcomed Bastian to the Seven Oxen Estate Wines family as vineyard manager and winemaker. Hey everybody, I'm Lori Budd, a UC Davis winemaking program, someday service, champagne specialist, and WSET level two graduate. You can find Exploring the Wine Glass on all the socials, as well as your favorite podcast catchers. If you haven't subscribed yet, now's the perfect time to swipe, subscribe, rate, and review. I promise I'll never tell you what to drink, but I'll always share what's in my glass. No, no, no. Hey, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Allure of the Poor. I am your host, Lori, uh, owner of Dracina Wines in Paso Robles. And we are sitting here today talking with Bastien Luduc of Seven Oxen Vines Winery. Um, and it is a pleasure to have him here today. It took a little zigging and zagging to finally get here, but we are here. So welcome, Bastien. Thank you. Hi, and thanks for having me, Lori. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. So a little bit, my first question to everybody is always the origin story. So, I mean, you're originally from France where wine is kind of ingrained into the culture there. So what is your first, you know, moment of when you realize, yes, wine is where I want my world to be? It's not very original for a French person, but my my parents, uh, my dad was a winemaker and had his own vineyard, so I, I grew up in it. Uh, it didn't, I didn't get to it; it came to me. <laughs> uh, and uh, although in my youth there were some years where I uh, grew a part of winemaking and and. Uh, uh, vineyard uh, management learning and all this stuff I came back quickly to it because <laughs> I realized that that's what I knew uh, what to do and what I like to do too so I think that that's kind of common where people who are are grown growing up in whatever field whether it's wine or whatever field it is when they're ingrained in that growing up they always have that little little you know voice in their head saying no you want to do something else and so you you go out and you try something else yeah. and, and then you're that's like true. no i think i'll come <laughs> back <laughs> no that's true and and my parents never never actually put pressure on me to take over or do the same actually they never did and that's that's probably why i later on wanted to do that uh, i think <laughs> and so, yeah, when, <laughs> when did you leave france because you, you've traveled around quite a bit for winemaking. So like, tell us That's the story true. of how uh, you've I, evolved to, <laughs> to where you are. Yes. Uh, I've, I've been in California for the last 11 years. Uh, but uh, quickly after my studies or in between my studies, even I, I uh, and during my studies, I, 
I wanted to just learn different techniques around France first. That's why it was easier to travel first when I was younger. But uh, even when I was 18, I left for six months to go to Australia and I went to two different winemaking regions. I went to the Hunter Valley and uh, the Mornington Peninsula. And uh, 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 sorry, and uh, the Clare Valley, uh, that's uh, north of Adelaide. And uh, came back and then did my winemaking and, and vineyard managing uh, studies, uh, viticulture and analogy. And during my, uh, uh, my, my school time, I did lots of trainings all around France. So the Loire Valley, the southeast of France, Bandol, uh, the southwest, uh, a bit everywhere, really, except the northeast, <laughs> which is kind of the furthest from where I'm from. <laughs> I'm from the southwest of France. And uh, once I completed my... Uh, uh, my degree in winemaking. Then I went back to Australia again. <laughs> uh, this time it was the Mornington Peninsula. And uh, then came back to France, found a job in Bordeaux where I was a vineyard manager and winemaker. And while I was there, I met my wife who is American. Ah. And uh, she, she was harvesting grapes on my parents' vineyard. Uh, and so uh, I came back that weekend to see my parents to help them out and visit my friends. And I met her, and she was <laughs> she was bound to come to Bordeaux to visit a friend. And I was like, "Well, I'm a great guide, so if you ever come, <laughs> call me." <laughs> and then there was a lot of uh, of back and forth between uh, France and the U.S. She's from Boston, so oh, okay, it was a, a lot of transatlantic flights. <laughs> Until we realized uh, our future was in the U.S. and in California, especially. So that's when we moved here. And uh, the following up is uh, why we were in California. So I had found a job in the, in the Sierra Nevada, in the Shenandoah Valley, okay. in the foothills, Amador County, and uh, at Terre Rouge. And I worked there for like two and a half years as the vineyard manager. And uh, some family friends of my wife realized that she had married a winemaker and that we were here in California. And they were very interested to, to meet me and potentially work together. And that's when we decided to work together and start Seven Oxen. Oh, okay. So it's a fair, you, that was going to be my next question. We we're going to bring into Seven mm -hmm. Oxen. So there... You're, first of all, Seven yeah. Oxen is on the west side of Paso, correct? It's on the west side? That's true. The vineyard is on the west side of Paso. We're like, uh, we're like uh, on two AVAs. We are on Templeton Gap and Willow Creek. Uh, kind oh. of half of the property is uh, on each AVAs. Yeah, that's quite funny, actually. And uh, our tasting room and winery is uh, on Ramada Drive, where I'm at now, uh, right next to 101. Okay. Uh, so yeah, that's where we are. Okay. So by, for those who kind of trying to figure out where it is, so that's right by Tin City, right at the entrance of Tin City. Is that's where right. The tasting room. Is. That's right. Exactly. Okay. Mm -hmm. So you are up in Amador County and uh, the, the owners of Seven Oxen are the Neils. Is that correct? That's right. Yes. Uh, Adriana uh, and uh, Adriana, Patrick and their dad, Steve are the owners. Okay. And uh, Adriana lives in San Luis Obispo and oh. uh, has been here for a long time. And uh, that's kind of also why they were interested in starting 
something in the area. They were not sure where. We looked from Santa Ines up to Santa Cruz. And uh, once I learned about Paso, I was like, well, this is where it's going to happen because that's where it's the most promising and where it has the most potential, I found. Um, and uh, we visited a bunch of places. And when we found our vineyard, we were like, oh, this is it. There was almost no question. It was <laughs> like a no-brainer. We, we found an established vineyard uh, that's 26 acres, all head pruned, uh, 8 by 10 uh, and uh, with, uh, maybe I can go on to the varietals that I grow, maybe. <laughs> uh, sure. there, I grow some uh, Zinfandel, some Zinfandel, some Petit Syrah, some Morved, some Grenache, and some Tanat. And oh, uh, I love I've been, Tanat. <laughs> yeah, that's kind of a hit here. A lot of people come to this room for our Tanat, even though it's a very limited production. We only have 2.2 uh, acres. Uh, but um, that's a fun, that's a fun one. Yes, for sure. <laughs> so when you, when you found, well, what year was Seven Oxen uh, created? That, that was, uh, that was, well, so uh, the Niels purchased the vineyard with the property in 2012. And that was in May. And uh, there were still some contracts going on with the, the grapes. And so that year we carried on the contracts. So we sold all the grapes. And 2013 is the first year I kept some grapes to start making wine from our estate vineyard. Uh, but we still sold some grapes, so we just grew slowly like that until a few years ago where we decided to just keep all the grapes for ourselves and uh, make all the wine from it. Okay, so then you are fully estate now, and that's that was two years ago, you said? You became fully estate. Oh no, we've only been we've we've been estate from day one, but we we were still selling some fruit from our estate. Oh, selling the fruit from these. Oh, okay. So now now you are right. using all of your fruit. You're using all of your fruit. So you have exactly. no contracts. Okay. Correct. Okay. And going back right. to that that Tanat is is that a single with the two point six you know um, acres? Is that are you doing it as a single varietal, or is yes. it in blending? Uh -huh. or both? Well, actually both. Yes, uh, that's new. Uh, that's actually not released. <laughs> that's a, ah. We're going to release that uh, a new blend uh, this summer. And uh, it's called Polaris. And it's 50% Tanat, 50% Grenache. Oh. And uh, until, until now, uh, until it's the, 20, it's the 2017. And uh, until 2017, there was only a single uh, Tanat. Okay. Wow. So... And it's a very, very small, small lot. That that Polaris is uh, two barrels. So oh, okay, wow, wow. So uh, people are going to have to get get on the ball yeah. and get that quickly. So that's an interesting yes. blend. That's yep. an interesting <laughs> blend. How how do you? Yes. I mean, what mm -hmm. was your thought process in terms of creating that wine? I mean, they're almost like, oh. you know, opposite. You know, Tanat is so big yeah, and bold and. That's, <laughs> Yeah, that, that's why I thought they would compete each other so well because uh, the, the the Grenache has this luscious fruit, you know, uh, giving <laughs> aspect and uh, can also sometimes also be tannic, you know, uh, but it was more to to complement that lush fruit and then get a bit of that bigger body tannat uh, in the background to, uh, it's true, it's not, a light wine <laughs> as you can expect uh but uh 
but none of my wines are very big. I like always to keep them uh, balanced with some, still some high acids, you know, not too jammy. Uh, but uh, here in Paso, it's it's hard to keep Grenache uh, in check uh, to be a light wine anyway. Uh, it, it tends to always have some high alcohol, but still has some great acidity as well. So it's it's always kind of a very interesting uh, wine on on its own or blended. And and that Tana and um, and Grenache, how are they in terms of harvesting? Are they yeah, harvested I, I around the same for- time? Are they? Not, not at all. So Grenache is among the first ones I pick and Tanat is among the last one I pick with okay. the Morvet. So there's always kind of a, a there are two, two harvest times more or less. And so early September, I pick Grenache, Petit Shiraz, Infandel, and then there's a break. And then I pick Morvet and Tanat. Usually that's how it goes. Um, we some in between, you know, but uh, yeah, so I always uh ferment them separately anyway and then i it's barrel per barrel that i pick the which barrel is going to be blended with which one and i also do that for uh for cassidy which is the the blend we're going to taste today uh which is grenache morvedre and so i always except except last harvest which was the first time ever where i picked my grenache which came in late and my Mourvet came in early and I actually picked them at the same time and co-fermented them. So that's wow. the first time I was able to do that. And that was amazing. And I, I wish I could do that every year. But, <laughs> uh, so that's, that's a, it just happens, but. <laughs> that's what mother nature yeah. is. It's a, you, you don't know what's going to happen from vintage to vintage. We, uh, yes, we adapt. <laughs> yes. Yes, absolutely. So, so back when you were driving around all over the coast and looking for the the ideal site, and you found your vineyard site, uh, you know, in Paso. What about that vineyard site? You know, you said as soon as you saw it, you knew mm-hmm. this was it. You know, you had to have this vineyard. What what was so special yes. about this vineyard? Uh, the location first. You, I mean, it's it's uh, like the the first feeling is so you drive. Uh, it's off Cala Canyon Road, and you drive up this road where you don't know where you're going, and you go all the way up, and once you're at the top, then you see the vineyard facing south. So you see the whole uh, Santa Lucia range, and I mean the views are amazing, and it's like one big hill, undivided. Uh, it's like three hills together, but like one block, all facing more or less the same way. And uh, it's it's kind of unique. It's in that canyon. The neighbor has now a vineyard, but at the time it was the only vineyard in that block, in that yeah. spot, you know, it was really secluded. secluded. Uh, and uh, yeah, it's, it's hard to explain. I mean, later on, I knew uh, uh, the soil, uh, everything was right there of course I, I knew that even before when we did some further analysis and all but uh, there's a, a sense of a unique place you know when you get uh, to the vineyard and we actually now offer vineyard tours so that's kind of a, a new thing oh, okay. so people can come check it out yeah and mm-hmm. see on their own and every time uh, people show up uh, they uh, they arrive at the top and like oh wow <laughs> <laughs> it's it's more than just the vineyard it's it's where it is and what you can see from there it's really a breathtaking view 
Oh, wow. And then it's, it's located, you said it's located in the two AVAs. So that's kind of a unique situation in its own right. So are the soils, you know, yeah. are the yes, soils yes. different? What's your contrast, in, <laughs> you know, from the one uh, side uh, of the vineyard to the other? There might be a spot or two that could be a little different, but it doesn't land where the, the line is. Uh, and uh, so it's, it could have been somewhere else, the line. That's what I'm saying. Right, not too right. far off, but there's <laughs> <laughs> uh, not a huge difference. So for me, there's more different, like my Grenache block and the soil and all is way more different than the rest of my vineyard. Okay. But again, I couldn't tell you if it's more like Templeton Gap or more like Willow Creek, you know. I, I have really uh, high pH, high uh, limestone content all over the place. Um, so it does definitely... A bit more Willow Creek-ish, if you want, uh, but uh, the the weather is a really a blend of both. I have always that afternoon uh, wind uh, kicking in around between one and three, uh, <laughs> aka the Templeton Gap, right? So that comes in, but but the soil is more Willow Creek, so it's really uh, a really both, and I love that actually. Yeah, that that's that's amazing. And I think it's kind of cool because like as you say, you know, there's not a definitive line. It's not like Willow Creek AVA, here's a right, line or right. a rock wall or something, and now right. here's you know right. the Templeton yes, Gap. Yes. Um and they do just kind of mm-hmm. go together, but the the uh, vines probably just like different areas better. Have we have you um like sampled where like you're saying you love your granat where the Grenache block uh, do you think that, do you have Grenache in another area yes. that is, you know, isn't loving life? As no, the only, the only varietal I, I <laughs> the only varietal I could compare to is I have Zinfandel in the Willow Creek and Zinfandel in the Templeton Gap, but they are two different clones on oh, okay. two different rootstocks as well. So that's just enough to make it different. I don't have the same exact varietal to to do a pure comparison, you know what I mean? Right, right. Uh, and, and again, the, 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 today I don't make a, the same wine with it. So my Zinfandel in the Willow Creek, I make rosé with now. Oh, and okay. the Templeton Gap Zin, I make my Zin uh, red with it. So you can't even compare that anymore, but. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, you yeah. can, I Soon guess you've I established, to... you've established yes, what each yes. one does best. Right, exactly, exactly. And uh, soon I'll have some Mourvedre that's growing up, and uh, in two, three years I'll have that to compare because I'll have it in both again, but uh, not exactly the same clone either. So, <laughs> so why why these varieties? Why why the you know? Uh, well, that was yes, that was that was one of the reason we we picked the place. Part of it was it was planted with those varietals. And those are the varietals that I like working with. Uh, those are the wines I, I like to drink. Uh, and I mean, it's easier to do your work when you like it, right? So <laughs> uh, for me, there was, there was I mean, I, I, I won't divulge anything, but I'm going to plant a varietal uh, next year that I believe is not planted in California or anywhere else. And Ooh. it's a varietal from where I'm from. And so I'm really excited to, to do that. I found there's like, there are two vines uh, in California at uh, UC Davis <laughs> that I can get some uh, cuttings from and I'm going to develop that. So that's, uh, 
we'll see where that goes but i'm, I'm pretty excited Ooh, about that exciting exciting <laughs> exciting so yes. i'll be looking for like you know you can do it next year so in like six years we'll be seeing a new variety from you <laughs> That's right. That's, uh, that's the time frame. Right. <laughs> about. Right. Um, now, the uh, vineyard site itself is actually like 130 acres, but you have 26 under vine. Um, you know, you're planting these two, right. two new vines um, and then uh, get the cutting from there. How much further of this of the vineyard do you think you would ultimately want to go under vine? Uh, we're, we're not going to change much more of that uh but there is a little bit of room for expansion that i might we might want to plant some more uh my idea is on planting some whites uh maybe some grenache blanc and some pic pool that's that's my idea uh, it will be two small blocks you know potentially uh one acre of each or a total of three acres i don't know there, there is some more room for expanding uh, and planting some more, then it becomes a bit difficult because it's pretty steep and it will require yeah. buying some different equipment, some crawlers and, and, and so and so. So there's a, there's a bit of, of a limit. So, and right now those are cow pastures. Uh, so we have some, some cows uh, just grazing and keeping, uh, keeping it low for fire hazard and whatnot. Uh, yeah. But we have a lot of also hills that are just woods and, not farmable if you will okay all right and then yeah. you do all of your vineyard sites are, or your vineyard is organically farmed right that's right yes we're, we're not certified but we're going to probably go through that process very well, soon actually uh which i'm excited about but at the beginning i was oh, with the neil that was that was our that was our first connection. We agreed on the philosophy of doing things. And uh, besides beside liking wine, they uh, didn't know much about uh, farming or uh, making wine. So they just relied on, on me for that. But our common goal and philosophy was organic farming and respect of the land and, you know, et cetera, et cetera. So it was more of a of a, of a choice for us right away than a marketing argument uh, later on. You know what I mean? Right. So for me, it was important to just do it right away and then later on see if we're going to be certified and now might be the moment where we can do that. So that's uh, the paperwork now. <laughs> right, right. And then that, that's always, I think, a, a, a toss-up of that wineries go through because it's a lot of uh -huh. hoops to actually get certified and a lot of money just to, to get certified and and it's yeah. more the philosophy like like you're saying we do it because we you do it because you want to be good to nature and you, you know the the fruit that it produces right um right. does it but do you think exactly. that marketing wise it's a benefit to actually be certified or uh well for some people, I mean, uh, anybody can say they farm organically, right? <laughs> if they're not certified. So, uh, true, I true. Mean, you would hope uh, they I don't, but true. <laughs> right, exactly. So, I mean, I say it because I do it, <laughs> but uh, ultimately, uh, I also want to to prove it and say, look, you can trust us. We're really doing it. This is our certification. So that's kind of the last goal, all right? Yeah. For um, but uh, yeah, I haven't started the process yet, so that's that's in the in the books. <laughs> for I think a very that's a three-year process, right? I think so. Yeah, yeah. two yeah. or three years. Yeah. And now a word from our sponsor. 
Looking to be in the know about Dracaena wines? Want to be the first to know about our new releases and special offers? All you need to do is sign up for our newsletter. There is no commitment necessary, and I promise you we won't spam your mailbox with loads of messages. Need another reason to sign up? Quite possibly the best reason? You'll immediately get a discount code for 10% off your first purchase and be privy to newsletter-only discounts. Let Dracaena Wines turn your moments into great memories. Visit our website, www.dracaenawines.com, or use the link in show notes to sign up. It will take you less than a minute, but the rewards will last a lifetime. So let's talk about Seven Oxen Self. Where does that name come from? Yeah. Ah, it's, uh, it's an old uh, Latin term from the Romans, uh, which was used uh, by them to describe the Big Dipper. So it's the seven oh. stars of the Big Dipper. And for them, they didn't have a time-lapse camera, but they knew that throughout the season, they would rotate around Polaris. And for them, it was like seven oxen on a threshing floor. So they were like, whoop, oh, you know, wow. when they are milling. Yes. So that's also the inspiration behind our label. So if you see yes. here, you have those rings and those are the stars when you take a time-lapse. Um, so it's, those are the seven oxen. So that's, that's where it's from. And we liked the, uh, we, what we liked was the connection with farming and ox. And then I also use some biodynamic uh, farming techniques. And so there's kind of that connection with the cosmos. So that's where it kind of ties in and yeah. That's, that's fantastic. And now let's talk about this Cassidy. Where does, where does the name mm -hmm. like Polaris that's, is also uh -huh. constellation. What, what's Cassidy? Right. Cassidy is more of a, a uh, that's a family name uh, okay. from the Neil. So that was also kind of a tribute to the owners. Ah, okay. Shared, okay. it's shared among the, uh, Adriana and Steve and their, uh, their grandmother. So that's, that was kind of a cool. Uh, is that, that's a surname? Cassidy is there? Oh, it's, is a it's, uh, it's first Adriana's name? middle name. And oh, okay. that was uh, her grandmother's name. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. I grew up with a family of Cassidy's. So uh, okay. I, li I like the name. <laughs> so let's talk about cool. this. What is this? Is a blend of Mauved and Grenache you had mentioned? That's right. So it's 70% oh, wow. Uh Sorry, 70% Grenache and 30% Mauved. Um, Very aromatic. So it, yeah. So it's a GM, <laughs> no S. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> And now is this, is this wine produced every vintage? A Cassidy yes, is this is the blend. Exactly. And uh, from year to year, it varies a bit into the percentage of the blend. So I can lean from, but usually never more than 60, never less than 60% Grenache and kind of never more than 70, but it oscillates in, in that range usually. That's mm -hmm. where the balance falls usually. Yeah. Okay. So your your thought process is always a Grenache led, a Grenache led wine. Right. Mm -hmm. okay. Yes. Well, it's more like once you go past that percentage of Mourvèdre, it kind of takes over, and and the balance of the savory from the Mourvèdre and the sweet from the Grenache is up overpowered by the Mourvèdre. So. That's oh. kind of where it's the sweet spot for me, at least for to my taste buds. Then it's 
is it shared with everyone else? That's the other question. <laughs> it's got, um, I was, you took the word out of my mouth. It's got a savoriness to it. Um, that, that yeah. I would guess would be the med and the Grenache is mm-hmm. that mid palate is just like, is Grenache. Yeah. It's like, here I am yeah. here, mm-hmm. you know, um, right. it's a, it's a nice soft mid palate. Um, and it's, mm-hmm. it's a medium want medium, uh, bodied wine. It's not, it's not super light. Mm-hmm. It's not, it's not a full bodied wine. No. Um, yes, like, I agree. Mm-hmm. but, um, it's got like, um, I always, it's got like shavings, uh, and in, in the aromas, like, like, uh, uh, a, more the earth, the graphite, that type of, of thing. And it's very, it's got yes. a floral That's, aspect. Yes, usually if you, if you were to taste my Morvad, you would, you would understand the blend even more tasting the right. Grenache and the Mauvette separately. And uh, it's, it's easier to like just decompose it and understand it that way. But what I like is where it blends and it's, it's, it's intricate. It's like, yes, I, I think it's, it's, uh, it, it bonds together. Well, it does. It, it's a nice combination and it, it adds um, like it's, a multifaceted wine so it's got different different layers to it it's not just unidimensional right. because of that the mm-hmm. um and it, it kind of completely yeah, yeah it kind of i i think the the nose you get both i think you get a, a grenache and a mauvette in it and then right. like i said it's grenache and then the mm-hmm. mauvette just carries it through to an extremely right. long finish a really sure. a really nice long finish yeah um, and this is what mm-hmm. vintage are we drinking? This is a 2016. 2016. And this is your current release? It is. And uh, pretty soon we're going to release the 17, actually. Okay. So can you tell me about your the, the process? Like what's your barrel, you know, your aging process and things like that? How did you uh, get these wines together? Sure. Sure. Uh, for So again... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, again, so as I was mentioning before, uh, all the wines are fermented separately, mm-hmm. and uh, and then I so I, I even divide each block in like two or three sections, and I ferment all of those separately and barrel per barrel, and it's really at the end, at the blending time that I select which barrel goes to to what, and my aging process usually for all my wines across is 18 months in uh, neutral barrels. Oh, okay. Uh, when I say neutral, they're between three and uh, uh, 10 years old barrels. Uh, oh. And just for the Tanat, uh, for my Zinfandel Reserve, and for my Petitra, do I use new oak? Oh, okay. Uh, and it's usually no more than 50%. It's like 30 to 50%, depending on the varietal and the the quantity I have. Yeah. So, so are these barrels, or are they uh, old red barrels or are you purchasing white barrels? Yeah. I, every year I purchased some. I, I, we started, I, I had to buy some barrels, but right. I, I bought some, <laughs> some, I bought some used barrels and uh, that's how we started. And since then I've bought some every year and uh, yeah, I even purchased some used barrels uh, since, uh, but now I don't really buy any more. Uh, used barrels i just purchased a very few new ones each year and 
kind of and then they become the used barrels <laughs> exactly <laughs> that's how it goes <laughs> absolutely yeah it is definitely not um heavily oaked and it's you know you're not right. you're you're getting the the um the lessening of the tannin by that oak without mm -hmm. having that yes. vanilla that exactly. thing. Mm -hmm. and the fruit sure. is not at all it's not at all jammy it's not you know right Mm -hmm. in your face yeah. high that's right you know, 110 yes. degree weather that, <laughs> that can happen yes so well, it gets 110 but <laughs> all, all across usually my wines i like to keep some acidity and not uh not push the maturation too far because in my philosophy is i like to pick the fruit how i'm gonna like it to make the wine and not uh, play the chemist in the winery and add tartaric and and this right. and that so that's why that's why uh, i mean i like my wines balanced and not jammy or over powerful uh so you'll never find the big oak in my wines uh it's always just behind or complementary you know right uh adding a little adding a little so, backbone structure not not in the forefront right Absolutely. Right, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I read that you are also you love being a beekeeper. Do you have, do you you have your own hives? Ah, just at the beginning, and uh, I never I completed that uh, <laughs> love for bees. And I might take uh, I might uh, get back into it, but I cannot say I'm a beekeeper. No, I was uh, I was very close to become one, and I wish I had been one, but. I have two kids and uh, that took some time away. <laughs> so I'm not a beekeeper. I'm a, I'm a child keeper more than a oh, beekeeper. Oh, there you go. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> they it might like be easier too. to chase the bees than the children. <laughs> uh, sometimes, probably. <laughs> awesome. Awesome. Um, yeah. So tell me, what are some other, uh, what are some other, you have blends, you said. Um Let's let's talk right. about so a couple of other offerings that you have at Seven Oxen. Yes, yeah, so I have a, I say a pure Morved. It's not a pure Morved. I put ten percent Grenache in it, but it's okay. very it's dominant variegal. Morved. All right. Yes, exactly. Um, I make also a hundred percent Grenache. A new. Uh, so we're going to release that on April seventeenth. The first one, a uh, hundred percent Petit Syrah. Oh which, wow! And which until now, we until uh, 2016, we were selling the grapes, and since 17 we kept it. It's a very, it's a small block too, so it's a small lot. But uh, uh, Adriana uh, convinced me to keep it, and I'm glad she did because it's uh, it's pretty good. I think <laughs> I was never really a big fan of Petit Chira myself, oh. uh, and 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 neither is Infandel, to be honest. Before I I moved here and growing it and taking care of it uh made me uh like both actually so it, it kind of grew into me <laughs> well, now i understand a bit more what they are actually. right uh, <laughs> right um so we always hear the saying you know every every winemaker i think has their own version of mm -hmm. saying that the wines are made in the vineyard um you know yes, and, and yes. the adage of what you can't you know you can't 
how do they say you can't make great wine out of bad fruit, but you can make bad wine out of great fruit. Okay. Um, yes. <laughs> and you love being in the vineyard. So like how, For sure. Yes. like what is your, uh, I mean, and no, I, I, I agree with that. I was saying, uh, I don't like playing the chemist in the winery. Uh, right. For me, uh, it's really, uh, I don't know. I mean, making the wine takes a lot of time, but that's not where uh, the, the, the decision are made. Uh, it's kind of the follow-up. And uh, if everything was done right before that, then it's, it's pretty easy. I, I want to say it's not easy, but it's <laughs> more right. straightforward. I, I want to say. Uh, and for sure, for me, before, uh, as again, I grew up uh, on a vineyard and with my, my parents. So I learned how to grow grapes before I learned how to make wine. And uh, I still find that today. I'm, I'm uh, of course, I, I live on the vineyard, so that's uh, I'm. Yeah, I do all the the, the tractor work, uh, all of that stuff. <laughs> that's me. So I am very involved with the process. That's for sure. <laughs> uh, so say, for me, it's, how... it's very important to have that control too. Right, right. And then that's how I I correlate what your statement was is that you weren't really a big Zinfandel or a Petite Syrah fan until you're growing it uh -huh. and you're seeing it from yes from the very get-go right. you create this new appreciation mm -hmm. new appreciation for it yes. and it, it's kind of like mm -hmm. you know a romance you get to you know you get you have to introduce yourselves to each other and get <laughs> to know each other a bit right yeah yeah, yeah. right yeah. yeah yeah for sure and uh, when you yeah yeah when you take care of of it and you you grow with it and you understand it better so I understand more what it is in itself, for and sure. what it can offer, <laughs> and how how different right. you know it can it can be from yes. others, right? Completely, mm -hmm. yeah. So if you had to pick one or over the other, we won't hold we won't hold it against you either way. But if you had to pick one over the other, do you would you prefer to be more in the vineyard or more in the winery? Uh, I think in the vineyard. Yeah, but again, it's uh, the winery is a fun work, uh, but it's kind of it's kind of this short time of of the short process. Mm -hmm. There's uh, of course necessary process to have wine at the end, <laughs> uh, but uh, the the focus for your long is so much more in the vineyard than than there. I mean, also the harvest time is so time consuming that I guess it goes by quicker, maybe, I don't know. Right. <laughs> uh, but yeah. uh, I mean, it's a whole thing, but for me, I wouldn't do it any other way. I wouldn't, I couldn't be able to buy grapes to make wine. I, I, would, I wouldn't see the, uh, I like to control it. <laughs> I like to make wine with what I can, I can make and, and control through the whole process of growing the grapes for sure. Right. Being, being hands-on um, from, you know, from dirt to bottle. Right. Basically. Right. Right. Yeah. Absolutely. That was, I forgot to mention, but, but that was uh, one of the, of the talks we had with the Niels at the very beginning. I told them, I was like, if we are to make wine together, we need to have the vineyard. Uh, for me, I don't see any interest of buying grapes from here and there and making wine. I, I, there needs to be a connection for me. I need to be able to control the growing process to make the grapes and then make the wine. Um, yeah. It's, it just like, ties into with okay. the with the philosophy of growing organic and belonging to a 
to a place and well it was a long uh, it, it wasn't then okay but they, they agreed <laughs> with that they understand they understood what i stood what i stood for you right. know <laughs> so when you first when you first started making wine for seven oxen what was your production uh-huh. at that point what was the production of seven oxen oh uh, i think it was like 500 cases the first year and then did you already uh, have the tasting room did you already have the tasting we, room we, or did that we, come later no 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 we started uh, in the front bar of tomasil organics uh, downtown paso we were there for a oh, couple of years oh okay 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 yeah oh, and uh and then we moved where we are now so we've been here i think it's the third year we've been here oh okay yeah and and mm-hmm. so the the winery is is on the vineyard site, and then just the tasting room. No, is... oh okay. no, the winery is where the tasting room is. Oh, okay, okay. So I'm at the tasting room. I don't know if you see behind me. I can me, see barrels behind barrel right you. There, yeah, right I do. Window. Yeah. Okay. okay. So I'm at the tasting room, and that's the winery right here. Okay, so you're processing down by down by Tin City. So I have to, I have to be honest. Exactly. I drive, I, I actually drive into Tin City all the time, yeah. but I'm not, you're by two moons. We're just after that. So if you, if you drive, no, no, it's past. Uh, so if you drive from Paso on Ramada Drive, right. you have to pass that intersection to Tin okay. City and it's right after. And there's oh. like four buildings together. Okay. And we're in the same building as Calwais Distillery, oh, Kikolo Brewery, Brewing. Okay. and Anglin. Okay, yes. I got you. All right, and now I know exactly where you yes. are. Okay. And I actually processed my fruit with Steve Anglin at the other side of the building. So I just forklift oh. my beans, process there, and bring them back here. Oh, very nice. Very nice. Yes. Okay. Uh-huh. Yeah. See, in that, that's the other thing. we're kind of two small structures. Yeah. With a common kind of processing area. That's that's another yeah. thing about Paso. I think that, you know, like mm-hmm. wineries working together to benefit each other, you know. Yes. Um, is mm-hmm. really yeah, for is sure. really a Paso, really a Paso thing. Um mm-hmm. that it that really is. Um, all right. So now we know where we can taste. We now we know we can go to the tasting room. When can they taste? I mean, uh, COVID has changed everything. So I'm assuming you are by appointment. We're, we are. And we have a nice pa- patio. Uh, we're, we are kind of the only one in the in the whole building to have a patio. Now they do some uh, tastings on the sides as well. Uh, but we can accommodate people here. It's pretty nice. And we have kind of these... Uh, uh, overhead door that we can open so there's kind of this inside outside area as well that's very nice and uh, we are open uh, from Thursday to Monday okay. uh, from 11 to 5 by appointment yes and were you by appointment prior to COVID or were you or is this a... no no we we're not yeah. no are you going to stay yeah, but are... uh uh, I think so because yeah. it's so great. We can focus much better on our customers and uh, give them the full experience. Uh, I think it's it's really nice. Yes, I find it really nice. 
that's what I've mo- I think most wineries as <laughs> as horrible as it is to say a positive I know. of covid yes. um mm-hmm. is is the by appointment it, you know it seems to be that most right. wineries in Paso and even some places you know you know up north and stuff that I've spoken to mm-hmm. you know they like the idea of by appointment because as you right. said it's a more you know focused tasting it's a more yeah. you know customer centric mm-hmm environment right. for them and for sure you know what's going on and they know what's going on so yeah yeah um dog friendly yes absolutely absolutely <laughs> okay. <laughs> absolutely and now do you know where uh where they can find seven oxen on social media are, are you all over social media yes we're at seven oxen all spelled out s-e-v-e-n-o-x-e-n uh, we're on Facebook and Instagram okay. and, uh, and we have a website, of course, which is sevenoxen.com. And that's where they can place orders. Do you, you ship to most places? That's right. We ship to a lot of places. Yes. Okay. Not everywhere, but in a lot, to a lot of places. <laughs> yeah. 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 Utah. No. <laughs> <laughs> But uh, so is there anything that I didn't ask you that you want to talk about either yourself or something about Seven Oxen that I that I missed before we. I, I don't know if I mentioned that. So we're releasing all of 17th, but one on April 17th. Uh, with some new wine. So Petit Chira is going to be one that's the first release ever. Uh, and and the Petit, sorry, I just said Petit Chira. Petit Chira. And later on this summer will be Polaris. So that's not a Grenache blend. Okay, Polaris. I have to say, I love so the fact that it's all something kind of to look for. <laughs> constellation related because that's... Uh, right. I, uh-huh. I love the constellation. Dracaena actually comes from... Draco, the constellation. So we're we're uh-huh. con- we, we're constellation focused also. Although we were terrified <laughs> to do anything constellation because of constellation brands. Um, <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> so kudos, kudos for that. Uh, I absolutely love it. Um, and then I did ask right. you. You said you started with about five hundred cases. What is your production at about now? It's pretty limited. Still, we are like twelve hundred. Okay. Um. Yeah, it might go up slightly in the future of, because of uh, some recent planting, but it won't happen before sure. a few years. Yeah. And what about a club mm-hmm. membership? Do you, ha- you have a club? We do, we do have a club. There's like two tiers. Uh, there's a club level one, which is a, a two times six bottles throughout the year and a level two, which is two times 12 bottles. And with some perks, so level one gets 15% of all purchase and level two gets 20%. Um, plus some free Added access to stuff. some parties and <laughs> exactly uh, things like that. Uh, but the, the real new thing that just came out on our website is the vineyard tours. So that's uh, I'm I'm the tour guide. Ah, uh, that's only that's only on Fridays at two thirty, I believe, and you can do that uh, through our website for sure. Okay, so go mm-hmm. to sevenoxen.com. And uh, sign mm-hmm. up for a tasting and for a vineyard tour. And I'm exactly, sure, are they walking on that vineyard tour, or are you? Uh, they are. They're walking. Yes, it's a small walk on the on a ridge on a ridge uh, with three hundred and sixty views. Uh, you know, 
yep, I know the draw is going to fall. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm going to have to get over there and uh, check out the vineyard site. Um, yeah. I, I love having my jaw drop from, from the beauty of the <laughs> there are There are plenty of places in Paso to have that draw that dropped. It's not unique, but uh, there's each has their own little things. <laughs> right. Yeah. Paso is definitely a beautiful, beautiful place. But um, anyway, well, yes. Basia, I would just want to say thank you very much for taking your time out of, of what I'm sure is a very, very busy day to share more information about Seven Oxen and to share. And thank you for sharing Cassidy with me. It is a lovely wine and I will be sharing it with my husband tonight with some cheese as we sit back and actually relax a little bit. So I just want to say slancha. Thank you very much <laughs> and have a great day. This has been another episode of Exploring the Wine Glass. Thanks for listening. If you have suggestions on what topics you would like me to discuss, please reach out on social media. You can find me on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook as Exploring the Wine Glass. I am also on LinkedIn as Lori Hoytbud. Of course, you can always email me at exploringthewineglass at gmail.com. If you enjoyed what you heard, please rate, review, and subscribe to help others find me more easily. And most importantly, tell your wine-loving friends, because if you like the podcast, they will too. Music is Wine by Kevens. Until next week, slancha. You are so special, even in the Bible. Water, God.